Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. Go back to Colossians chapter 3, and, and so now that now we have a little bit of, a little bit of framework on which to understand some of these verses that talk about the new man and the old man. Of course, that old man is, is an old, it's that old nature. It's that nature that we have, that sin nature that we, that we come into the world with. But in Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Lie not one to another, seeing ye have put off the old man, with his deeds. You've put off the old man with his deeds. Um, the, the word that's used there to put off is the, the same kind of wording you would use to, to take off a, a suit of clothes. All right? You put off that clothing. And it says, it says that, uh, as Paul writes these believers here at Colossae, he says, you've put off the old man with his deeds. And he gives that as the reason that you ought not to do these things that he described that are, are uh, associated with the old man. If you've put off the old man, then don't do the things that the old man does. He says you've put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Do you realize that, that when you became a believer in Christ, when you trusted the gospel, there was a, a restoration that took place. A, a restoration, when it says that the new man is renewed, it means to be made new again, right? So, it, and, it, and it really, as it describes, it's renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. It's going all the way back to Adam and that, that perfect image that Adam was created in. And you see here, this new man is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now, there's not a physical change that goes along with that. There's nothing that changes physically in your body when, when you believe the gospel. But there are some spiritual changes that take place with regard to the body and the relation between the body and, and the soul and the spirit. Uh, in fact, for the, for the lost man to, to refer to the body, soul, and spirit really is the proper order because that's, you know, that's the order that they in their mind uh, put on things. It's that carnal, that fleshly mind, that, that mind that's oriented toward the flesh. But still in the book of Colossians, go, go back to uh, Colossians chapter 2, go back to verse 8. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Godhead is that, that Father, Son, Holy Spirit, those three parts of God. And here it says that in Jesus Christ, all the fullness of that Godhead 
dwells in bodily form. Verse 10 says, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, there it describes the, the state of the believer. And you see, it, it remi- he warns about this philosophy and vain deceit. Now, what, what the philosophy and vain deceit and the traditions of man that he describes there, uh, what those things are about are about trying to find some way to reform the old man. Now, when, when the Apostle Paul in, in Colossians, and we'll look at some other passages about the old man, but when he talked about the old man, he didn't say that you've made the old man better. What he says is you've put off the old man and put on the new man, right? It's not that the old man has been renewed. When it says that, that you've been renewed after the image of him that created him, uh, it's not that God took the old man and made it into a new man, Rather, the, the old man is just condemned and the old man is to be put off. And there's a new man that's, that's created in righteousness and true holiness to be put on. And what philosophy and, and this vain deceit that it talks about, it's vain deceit because it thinks that you can somehow make the old man something other than what it is. Uh, this, this philosophy and vain deceit, all the, all the, the self-help, philosophies and things that tell you that you can you can overcome sin and you can overcome who you are through the power of positive thinking through these various things it's vain deceit it's vain because it's it's empty and it's fruitless right and and for every you may be able to get rid of some bad habits through that but you aren't going to get rid of sin through that right and and it's deceit because it tells you something that isn't true. It tells you that the old man is capable of reform. It tells you that the old man can pick himself up by his bootstraps, make himself better, and make him into, into something that's acceptable to God. But what, what uh, the Bible presents to us here is something very different. First of all, it tells us that it's in Jesus Christ that you find the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You aren't going to find fullness in yourself, which is what these traditions of men teach, but that fullness is in Christ, and for the believer, the believer is complete in him. Not complete in your ability, not complete in, in you know, what you can do to make yourself better, but you're complete in Christ. And complete means complete. Uh, we often we often think about ourselves. The reason we we get drawn into that philosophy and vain deceit is because we get the fo- our focus off of what God's word says about who the believer is in Christ, and we start looking at at you know how we see ourselves in the flesh, and we say I'm not complete. Um, there's there's something I have to I have to work on. There's something I have to make better. Uh, how can I be complete when I'm when I'm still doing these things? But it, what does the scripture say? Ye are complete in him. Now, the only condition on that, I mean, it's obvious Paul's talking here to believers, not to unbelievers. 
But there's no other condition he places on that. He he doesn't say you're complete if you do everything the Word of God says. He doesn't say you're complete if, you know, if you're... you're, uh, serving God in in amazing ways. He says, ye are complete, how? In Him. If you're in Christ, if you're in Christ today, if you've trusted, if if you've stopped trusting in your works and your ability to save yourself, and you've trusted that Jesus Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection did all of the work that was necessary for salvation and you're in Christ, then you're complete. Now, it's hard to think of ourselves that way, isn't it? I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard to look. I mean, it's one thing to think about that theoretically and say, okay, I see the Bible says that. It's another thing to look in the mirror and, and look at that person and say, that person's complete. It's another thing to, to think back on the day, at the end of the day, and think of, of you know, all those failings of the day and think, I'm complete. Because it seems, it seems so clear that we're incomplete. But you see what the scripture says. Ye are complete in him. You're complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Uh, think about the, the position that we have in Christ. Uh, when you think about who Christ is, and then the fact that believers are complete in him, That's an amazing thing. But notice what it says in verse 11. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, it talks about a circumcision there. Now, you know, if you go back in the Bible... Uh, you can find find places where there's a lot of teaching about circumcision, right? And God told Abram to circumcise. He had to be circumcised. His children had to be circumcised, right? And there was a physical circumcision for those male children. That was a it was a, a token of the covenant that God had with Abraham. But circumcision is a cutting away of the flesh. All right, it's it's uh, to when you think of the the English word there, uh, circum to when it, when uh, when we say that that uh, uh, Ferdinand Magellan led the first expedition to circumnavigate the globe. What does that mean? It meant that he navigated all the way around the globe. Right, the circumference of a circle is the distance all the way around that circle. So, circum to, to you know around and size means to cut away um, these these pointed teeth that you have there in the in in the front. Those are incisors. Uh, to circumcise means to cut around. And in the physical circumcision, uh, it was a cutting away of the flesh, right? But th- you see, this isn't a physical circumcision. Uh, that, that issue of physical circumcision, remember, became an issue in the early church as there were these, these Judaizers that were coming to uh, members of the body of Christ and telling them, you need to have this physical circumcision that was given to Abraham. 
And the Apostle Paul even had to go to Jerusalem to discuss the issue with Peter and the Twelve and, and decide, you know, what, what, what if any of the law applies to these Gentile believers? Uh, but you see, the circumcision that he's talking about here is not that. It's not that physical circumcision. Uh, again, the agreement was clear there that physical circumcision, there's no necessity for any kind of physical circumcision with Gentile believers. But he talks here about a circumcision made without hands. Now, in the Bible, when something is made without hands or done without hands, it means it's spiritual, and it means that God does it. It's not something man does, right? If I, when, when, uh, when somebody takes a, you know, a little baby boy and he gets circumcised, that's done with hands, right? But this is a circumcision that's made without hands. And you see, it's a, it, says, it says it's done in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. There is a cutting away of the flesh that takes place spiritually when someone trusts Christ. And that cutting away of the flesh is what's described here as the circumcision made without hands. Now it describes the the body there, and it calls it the body of the sins of the flesh. Now, what does it mean in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh? Uh, this body, obviously, would be the body of the sins of the flesh, right? But, but how do you put, put off? You can't take off this physical body. It hasn't been cut away in the sense that, that you know, it's, it's done away with. Certainly at physical death, uh, then our, our spirit and soul be free of this body of flesh. How do you put off the body of the sins of the flesh, Now, it's important to understand what what that term means when it talks about the body of the sins of the flesh. In fact, let me show you a similar term over in the book of Romans. Go to Romans chapter 6. Verse 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now that body of sin being destroyed is the same thing as putting off the body of the sins of the flesh in Colossians chapter 2. But, but what does that mean? Again, uh, you know, certainly we can, we can look at our, our flesh and see that it's the body of sin, but in what sense has it been destroyed? Both of those terms, the body of sin and the body of the sins of the flesh, are terms of possession. Okay, uh, in in English, if I say this is Richard's Bible, uh, that indicates possession. But can't I also say this is the Bible of Richard? Um, that would be valid English. We don't talk that way very much. But you have a lot of that in you have a lot of it in the Greek, and so you have a lot of it in in uh, the Bible as well. And it's a term of possession. This body, before salvation, this body was the body of sin. It belonged to sin. In Romans 7, Paul says that he talks about the the carnal flesh being sold under sin. It's it's the body of sin. But here he says that our, our old man was crucified, that the body of sin might be destroyed. 
Now, my physical body hasn't been destroyed, but my body as the body of sin has been destroyed. In a sense, it's not the body of sin any longer. Right? Now, what, what's, the, what's the responsibility as a believer in Christ that I have with my body? Isn't it to yield it as, as a servant of righteousness? Isn't it to uh, give it as a, a living sacrifice to Christ? Uh, this body is no longer the body of sin. The body of sin has been destroyed. The old man has been crucified. And you see, that's God's solution to the sin problem. It's not to, to you know, give that old man strength so that it can make itself better. Uh, the, the problem isn't that the old man is, is too weak. The problem is that the old man is completely corrupt. In fact, that old man is incapable of doing anything pleasing to God. That's why the scripture says that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But it also says you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if the spirit of God dwell in you. That old man can't do anything to please God. And the worst thing... To, to try and do to please God is to try harder in the old man. Because even the old man's best efforts, even the old man's most noble uh, accomplishments are sin before God. But in the same way, the new man is incapable of sinning before God. The, the, that new man is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. That new man is created in, in righteousness and true holiness. And when it, when it describes here, now Colossians says you've put off the old man with his deeds. There's a sense in which the old man has already been put off. But there's also a sense in which the old man needs to actively be put off continually. Go to Ephesians. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Um, the old man's been put off in the sense that this circumcision, this spiritual cutting away of the flesh, this uh, crucifixion of that old man has taken place. Now, that means that the old man's power over the believer is, is broken. That old man has no dominion over the believer. But that doesn't mean the old man doesn't have any influence over the believer. Uh, you see here in Ephesians chapter 4, now this would be a parallel to the passage in Colossians, but you'll notice the difference here in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verse 22, starting verse 17, it says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, in Colossians, Paul said, you have put off the old man and you have put on the new man. Here in Ephesians, he's instructing them, though. Now, these are saved people he's talking to at Ephesus, 
Uh, and what he tells them, he instructs them to put off the old man. Now, if you have to put off the old man, that tells you that the old man is something that even as a believer, you can choose to put on. Right? But he instructs them to put it off. Put off the old man. Put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And he says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, how do you get renewed in the spirit of your mind? Um, you don't get renewed in the spirit of your mind by, uh, you know, watching television or, or watching most things that are on television anyway, uh, reading the newspaper. Um, you don't, you don't get, become renewed in the spirit of your mind that way. You become renewed in the spirit of your mind by taking in the word of God. And as you take in the word of God, that strengthens that new man or it allows that new man to have the influence over your life instead of the old man. And, and really, um, you can't put off the old man and put on the new man unless you're regularly in, in God's word. Because you just, it, it, how would you even know what the old man and the new man were? Right? I mean, these are spiritual things. You can't, do, you can't do some experiment. You can't do some blood test to see whether somebody's put on the new man or, or put on the old man. Right? But it's, he says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That, that struggle that the believer often experiences, and that you read about, for instance, in Romans chapter 7, it's a struggle between those two men. You see, there's those two men uh, that, that are seeking to have influence over you, one that is completely corrupt and one that is perfectly righteous and holy. And the, the, you know, so much of, of what's taught as far as having victory over sin, we've already seen that we're complete in Christ, right? Uh, the, the issue, go back to Romans 6. Romans chapter 6, after, when, when he tells you that that old man is crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed, he says that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, if you have a master that you're bound to serve, and that master dies, do you have to serve that master anymore? Of course not, right? He wouldn't, he wouldn't have any power over you. But could you continue... Even if that master is dead, could, could you continue to act as if you were the servant of that master? As if you had to serve that master? As if you had to continue to serve him, even though he had no real power to, to enforce that at all? That's the situation he describes here with the old man. He says, he that is dead, verse 7, is freed from sin. You're freed from that master of sin as a, as a believer in Christ. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness 
unto God. You see, for the believer in Christ, God has made some changes in you so that now you can serve him. The lost person, you know, the lost person can decide they're going to try and serve God, right? There's all kinds of lost people doing all kinds of things, doing, doing you know, just, just unbelievable things, trying to serve God, right? And, and it's all fruitless because they aren't, they're, they're doing that all in the old man. But, you know, the believer likewise can, instead of doing what these verses talk about, put off that old man, the believer can try to serve God in the same way that a lost person does, and it's just as fruitless. But rather, what the scripture describes here is to be renewed in your mind. Take in the word of God, understand what the word of God says about who you are in Christ, and then yield to that new man. Okay? So much of the, so much of the frustration that comes in the Christian life comes because... We're trying to, to do things for God in our flesh and in the old man instead of, instead of just, you know, reckoning who we are in Christ in that new man. And I want to close with a quote. This is a, a quote from William R. Newell. And his, his commentary on the book of Romans is one of the best that's out there. Uh, I, I highly recommend you ever see William R. Newell's commentary on on uh, Romans, get it and read it. Excellent. And uh, he also wrote the hymn at Calvary. Uh, and William R. Newell said this. He, he says, If God announces the gift of righteousness apart from works, why do you keep mourning over your bad works, your failures? Do you not see that it is because you still have hopes in these works of yours, that you are depressed and discouraged by their failure. If you truly saw and believed that God is reckoning righteous the ungodly who believe on him, you would fairly hate your struggles to be better, for you would see that your dreams of good works have not at all commended you to God, and that your bad works do not at all hinder you from believing on him that justifieth the ungodly. Therefore, on seeing your failures, you should say... I am nothing but a failure. But God is dealing with me on another principle altogether than my works, good or bad. A principle not involving my works, but based only on the work of Christ for me. God, in justifying me, acted wholly and only on Christ's bloodshedding on my behalf. Now, there's some deep truth there. He's just saying in other words what, what these verses here have to say. Now, now, in that quote, he was talking mostly about justification, but certainly it's true of sanctification as well. That sanctification is no more a work that we perform than justification was. But rather, God has, has already sanctified the believer. He's already made the believer complete in Christ. And when we, when we reckon that, when you really come to God's word and believe what it says about the position that you have in Christ, it can't help but change how you act and how you behave, right? Is, does somebody, is somebody who, who sees themselves as being complete in Christ and dead to sin and alive unto God going to go out and commit sin? 
Not, I mean, not while you're, not while you're reckoning that to be true, you won't. And uh, the, the key there is an understanding what it means to put off the old man and put on the new man instead of trying to turn the old man into something that he can never be. God has condemned the old man, put him to death, and that's what we ought to do as well. Let's close with prayer, Lord God. We thank you for these things from your word, uh, these things that are, are so hard to, to comprehend and to, and to keep in memory. Um, we, we pray that as we go out this week, we would be mindful of these things. Are we, are we putting on the old man or are we putting on the new man as your word instructs? Are we trying to, in our flesh, serve you and, and, and do the right things? Uh, or are we just resting in who we are in Christ and who you've made us to be? We thank you that you've created us in us, that new man that, that is created in righteousness and true holiness. Um, pray that we would reckon these things from your word to be true. And it's in the name of our Lord and Savior we pray in Jesus' name. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.